0: I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for our meditation on this Pentecost festival is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. We read there verses 39 through 47 as follows in Jesus' name. In those days Mary got up and hurried to the hill country, to a town of Judah, She entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Just as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She called out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In fact, just now, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, because the promises spoken to her from the Lord will be fulfilled. Then Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. So far our text. Let us pray. O Lord God, give us your spirit of truth to guide us in all truth. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation, and uphold us with your free spirit. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My dear fellow redeemed, what is church? This may seem like an increasingly difficult question to answer in these latter days of sore distress, because our present and ongoing circumstances have severely limited the way that we can participate in church services for the sake of health and safety and the protection of life. But, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, our present circumstances have in no way altered the slightest bit what church is. No circumstances in this world will ever change or diminish or destroy Christ's church Christ, the head of that church himself, tells us that not even the full fury and rage of hell itself can prevail against his church. And so far less will a microbe be able to prevail against it. Far less will any earthly ordinance limit or restrict the true church to which we all belong by faith. Our text this morning from Luke's Gospel of the Christ Child's Visitation to Elizabeth and John, as well as the the festival that we celebrate this morning, the festival of Pentecost, these both help us to understand God's gift and blessing of the church. So first we must understand this question, what is church? What makes up the church? What can we point to and look at and say, this, this here, this is the church? If the church is just a building, a place where we meet, this location, this brick and this mortar and this wood, then when this brick and mortar and wood inevitably starts to fall apart or is damaged or, God forbid, destroyed, or if for any reason we are prohibited from gathering in this building, then we may well fall into despair, fearing that God's own church has been damaged or destroyed or prohibited. But Christ Jesus, the head of the church, reminds us that we don't worship in one physical location or one building or one place. Rather, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth, no matter where we are, no matter what circumstances there are in which we find ourselves. Our hope is not so flimsy that it stands and falls with the work of human hands and the materials of this decaying world. So if the church is not this physical building, then maybe it's the contents of this building, the people who meet here. Maybe when the people meet together, that is the church. Maybe the people who gather make the church. After all, our Lord tells us that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. And we read elsewhere in scripture that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and that you are the body of Christ and individually you are members of it. But yet, it is not our gathering together that makes the church. If this were the case, then we would well fall into despair whenever we are prohibited, for whatever reason, from gathering together in one place. Or whenever we run into disagreements of opinion with each other, we may well fear the unity that we have in Christ. But God's church is not created based on the assembly of human bodies, Our hope is not so flimsy that it hinges on the work of human bodies and the concord or discord of human society. Because indeed, if we look at our own hearts, if we look at our own words and actions towards each other in this human society, we would very easily lose all hope whatsoever that God's church could be anything more than an assembly of petty, prideful hypocrites. If... God's church was built upon us. Our worship, our works, our assurance. And so like those who listened attentively to Peter's sermon at Pentecost, we too would rightfully ask, what must we do? What must we do to be saved? What must we do to have church What must we do to have the forgiveness of sins and salvation that's promised to us through God's church? And like those listeners at Pentecost, we too would come to the righteous conclusion, nothing. We can do nothing to make the church. We can do nothing of ourselves to be saved because we crucified the head of the church. We crucified Jesus we handed him over to lawlessness with the lawlessness of our own sins. Our work, our words, our actions, our thoughts, they all fixed Jesus on the cross to pay for that sin. And I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but when I honestly examine my heart and my thoughts, I find there's such a forgetfulness of God's word, such an an abandonment of trust in God's promise to love and to care for me, Such a willingness to be afraid. Such a willfulness to complain. Such a desire that my will be done above all else. Such eagerness to think only the worst of other people and only the best of myself. To think only judgment against other people and to bring only excuses for myself. Such an easy inclination towards anger. It's as easy to slip into a hot rage as it is to slip into a hot bath. In my own heart of hearts, wherever I search for solid trust, I find only trembling doubt. Wherever I search for humble piety, I find only snotty disobedience. Wherever I search for leaping joy, I find only a sluggish shrug of my cold shoulder. What must I do to be saved? What must I do? To make this church? (laughs) Nothing. There's nothing I can do. But thankfully, we don't make the church. God makes the church. It's not the people's presence together that makes the church, but rather God's presence with and among and for his people that makes the church. In the Old Testament, when Israel was wandering in the wilderness, God made his presence among the people known by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And wherever that cloud went, the people followed and the tabernacle was assembled. The tabernacle, the place of worship, the place of of atonement for sin. So when the cloud came to rest at a place, there they raised up the tabernacle. And that remained there as long as the cloud remained. And when the cloud lifted up and moved to a new place there, the tabernacle followed. It is God's presence among his people that makes the church. It is Christ's presence in Mary's womb that makes John the baptizer leap for joy. And Elizabeth proclaim a song of blessing to Mary and a song of praise to the Almighty Lord. It is God alone who fills them with the Holy Spirit in the first place. This is the true church, that God comes to us, that Christ comes to us. Christ dwells with us as one of us. He comes to us now in his word and in his sacraments. And we gather in faith around these means of grace. We hear the word. We receive baptism and the Lord's Supper. So the source of our joy and fellowship in the church is Christ's presence among us, which unites us all together in spirit and truth. What we must do to be saved is not expected of us. Because we cannot do it. We did not do it. Christ did it for us. What we must do to be saved was accomplished only by Christ in his holy life, in his death on the cross, and in his resurrection from the dead. This is not expected of us, but rather it is given to us as a gift, a free gift of love. The word and sacrament given to us by God in the church that point us away from our own hearts, from our own works, from despair over our own sins and failures, and instead give us, Christ Jesus, our salvation. That instead of looking at our own hearts, it gives us The pierced heart of Christ overflowing with love. Instead of looking at our own works, it gives us the pure and perfect work of Jesus Christ accomplished for us as our human brother. And when we look to that work of Jesus Christ, that life and death of resurrection, there we find only the love, grace, and mercy of God. The church does not ask, what must we do to be saved? But it rather joyously proclaims, look what Jesus has done for us to be saved. Look what Jesus has done to give us his church, his own body of forgiveness and salvation. See his death on the cross, which wins us life eternal. See his holy wounds, which restores us To sainthood. See the water and blood poured out from his side in his death. The waters of baptism which forever drown our sins and blossom the parched desert of our heart in abundant and sacred life. The blood poured out from his side which forever annihilates our sins, which forever obliterates them from the mind of God so that he forgets them entirely. And the blood that is poured out to us in the sacrament, in the Holy Lord's Supper, given to us to give us life eternal. This is how Christ comes to us, as a gift, as the free word of God, as the sacraments administered to us. The Christ child came to Elizabeth in the womb of Mary as a gift of grace. And the Holy Spirit conceived the Christ child in Mary's womb as a gift of grace. Mary is filled with grace because she's filled with the Holy Spirit and grace incarnate. Is conceived within her and now the full work of christ comes to us through the outpouring of the holy spirit in the christian church and we may feel the burning question at pentecost we may feel this question what must i do we may feel like we have to do good things in order to make up for our sins in order to make atonement for ourselves. we may feel like we have to do something to get right with god And we may feel this question from the visitation, why? Elizabeth's question, why is this granted to me? Why is this for me that our Lord should come to me? We may feel like because we don't deserve this forgiveness, it's not ours or can't be ours. But Christ's presence among us in his word and his sacrament, Christ's work for us in his holy life, his body and blood given into death on the cross, And his body raised to glorious life in the resurrection. All of this shows us that forgiven is not something you feel. It's something you are. I mean, you might wake up tomorrow and not feel right. Something might feel wrong or out of place and you might say to yourself, I just don't feel like myself today. But that doesn't mean that you stop existing. That doesn't mean that you simply disappear just because you no longer feel like yourself. So in the same way, your forgiveness does not just disappear if you don't feel forgiven. You are forgiven. By the work of Christ, you are forgiven. By the seal of baptism, you are God's child. Elizabeth asks, why, why does this come to me? But yet, Christ is there for her regardless. So why? Why does this grace come to us? For God so loved the world. And that's you right there. That's you. You you are in the world. You are part of the world. So this is you. God is talking to you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why? Why this grace? Because God loves you. Because you are his own dear creation, and through faith you are his own dear child. God cannot abandon you to hell, but had to step in and intervene and save you by giving you this forgiveness through the work of Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, God fulfilled his promise to deliver you from sin and death and hell. In Christ's blood on the cross, God fulfills his covenant, his promise of old, to win forgiveness and righteousness for his people. The promise of salvation is yours. The power of the Holy Spirit was displayed at Pentecost so that now, 2,000 years later, and all the way around the world... This same unchanging gospel message of salvation can come to you, so that now faith can be created and strengthened in your heart through the preaching of the word and through the sacraments, so that now you are added to Christ's body, the church, just like those 3,000 souls that were added to Christ's body, the church, on that beautiful day of Pentecost. Now you are blessed, just like Mary. mother of Jesus. You are blessed. You too are blessed in believing that the promise of the Lord is fulfilled in the Christ child and in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That is what the church is, the body of Christ poured out for all in the Holy Spirit. And so now you are blessed. And just like being forgiven, being blessed is not something that you feel but something that you are. Being blessed is not a feeling that can come and go, something that can appear when times are good and then abandon us in times of struggle. No, we are blessed, whether we feel it or not, because God's church is blessed. God makes the church so the church can't help but being blessed, but be blessed. The church is Christ's own body, which fills everything. We can't help but be blessed. Mary and Elizabeth and John are blessed because the one who blesses them dwells among them. Those newborn believers at Pentecost are blessed because the word of salvation was given to them and they received baptism to be called God's own children. And in our text, Elizabeth calls Mary blessed simply because of God's grace to her. She's filled with God's grace because God gives this grace to her. And in God's overflowing and unmerited grace, Mary was the mother of the Savior of the world. Mary was the mother of God. Mary is blessed because her womb is where Christ chose to dwell to start his work of salvation. And now we are blessed because Christ dwells in us through faith. And through faith, we are, in truth, more blessed than Mary. As Jesus was teaching one time, a a woman cried out to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. She cries out a blessing to Jesus' mother, to Mary. And this is what Jesus replies to her. Even more blessed, even more blessed than Mary, the mother of God, Even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is, those who receive God's word of forgiveness and salvation and those who live lives of faith, that that salvation is theirs because God said so, because God declares them to be not guilty because of the holiness of Christ. The church is blessed in all circumstances and all situations. It's blessed when the gospel is received with joy and blessed when it's persecuted with violence. In packed pews, the church is blessed. In a solitary prison cell, the church is blessed. The church is blessed whether blessedness is felt or not because the church is Christ's body given for you. And the church is nothing more than this. Wherever the word of God is preached in its truth and purity and whenever those sacraments are rightly administered according to that word. Wherever believers gather around these means of grace, the means by which God's grace comes to us and dwells with us, no one and nothing can take this away from us. We are united in the church, no matter what happens to us, no matter where we go, no matter where we stay, no matter where and when we meet again because we are all united in the one body of Christ. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.